For July 20th, 2020, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 629. Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your, uh, are like your counterparts, or like your partners, or like a uh, group of people moving all in unison together. I am uh, one of that group. I'm Matt Rather. And here, my counterparts on this podcast are Mr. Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hello, Mark. Hello, Matthew. So, guys, uh, it's a Sunday evening, as usual, as we record the podcast. And, and what I find is this. The clock strikes upon the hour, and the sun begins to fade. Uh, there's still enough time to figure out how to chase my blues away. I've done all right up to now. It's the light of day that shows me how. And when the night falls, loneliness calls. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> I, I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yeah, I want to dance with somebody. With somebody who loves me. Oh, I want to <laughs> dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yeah, I want to dance with somebody. With somebody who loves me. Or at least somebody who will dance with me, you know? So, I mean, you know, guys, it's uh, it's summer. It's July. We've made it all the way through uh, wedding season. I mean, halfway through, I suppose, wedding <laughs> season, you know? Have you guys been to any good weddings this, uh, this year? Have you been to any real good with good bands or good DJs or something? Any real fantastic weddings? I mean, I, I went to a great wedding, which lasted about 15 or 20 minutes and was run by uh, Judges for Love, which is an organization that uh, connects couples who are attempting to get married but unable to hold their weddings in person to can hold them over Zoom. So I was on a relatively intimate Zoom wedding, but there was no band and there was no electric slide or cha-cha slide, neither one, which I feel like is the least defensible position. Uh, in the Matrix. So, oh, but yeah, no, Mark, how about you? Any, any weddings? Any, any this, weddings, uh... Mark? You been to any weddings? Uh, if by wedding you refer to the matrimony of bad tidings with even more bad tidings, then um, sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> glorious nuptials have been celebrated in that regard. But uh, alas, there was no dancing at that wedding either. Well, well how, how have you guys been? How have you guys been dancing? I mean, how? Uh, th- let me put this another way. How have you guys been standing in one corner of a rented <laughs> parquet floor? Right on the right on the little rubber, uh, what is it called? The little rubber chamfer, <laughs> the little rubber, uh, you know, rim that goes around the floor so that you don't trip when you step up onto this rented parquet floor, holding, uh, uh, you know, a melting gin and tonic in your hand, and you know, kind of bopping along and pointing at people who are moving back and forth <laughs> across the floor. Or maybe that's just me. Have you, you know, because guys, I want to dance with with somebody <laughs> i want to feel the heat with somebody oh i want to dance with somebody so so you're bringing up an interesting point which was what inspired us upon the occasion of our podcast tonight which is what are some cultural things that maybe are different 
because of our current situation vis-a-vis the spread of the novel coronavirus. And one of them is, of course, that weddings, like the major occasion for adult dancing for us, it for seems. Us, yeah. And, and we'll unpack this and what that means in a little bit. Uh, and throughout the episode, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, it, it just they just haven't been happening. And so it might be the kind of situation where we haven't really danced at all, which is kind of horrifying. Right. Because I think we like dancing. Well, I don't know if you like dancing. I certainly like dancing and dancing at weddings is something I've done since I was a small child with a lot of vim and vigor and enthusiasm. Uh, so to not be able to do it is, is pretty uh, it's pretty, pretty intense. It's it's not a it's not a sort of casual, dismissive sort of thing. I mean, Mark, how do you feel about the sort of absence of relative dancing in your life right now um i hadn't really stopped to think about it uh in, in the terms of like you know vigorously dancing at a wedding um it's i i do i i, I will i will dance when the occasion calls for it um, i probably don't enjoy it quite as much as you do pete and, and vim and vigor uh those words are not <laughs> tossed about lightly on this podcast um I, I have not gone without dance though i will say because my 19 month old child ah. um, is limber enough so that uh if uh, sufficiently rhythmic music is played, then he will bob up and down somewhat rhythmically uh, by bending his knees. It's adorable. It really <laughs> is. Um, so let's call that dancing, and then I will uh, imitate that motion with him and kind of grab his arms and try to make him sway and things like that. So uh, if you count that dancing, then sure. Yeah, I've been, I've been cutting a rug with him. So not entirely <laughs> devoid of my, out, out, out from my life. Is, so I guess I mean, is any sufficiently rhythmic movement dancing? Because like today was cleaning day, and I just shined the heck out of some countertops. Well, did you dance while you were doing it? Yes, actually. You know, I put okay. on. Uh, yeah, what what? Uh, oh, put on Warren Zevon's "Excitable Boy," which was a pretty good cleaning record. We've also cleaned to "Purple Rain," which is a very good cleaning record. Uh, you know, like. Uh, you know, Delia Windex, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called grime. <laughs> that's so, so a near grime, and that means forever, and that's a mighty long time. I'm sorry, I'm I'm punchy tonight. No, no, we're all a little bit punchy. It's okay. So uh, I was going, to, I was going to give you some sort of riddle of the Sphinx that I was trying to parse, something along the lines of like what what dances on four legs in the morning, uh, dances in the dark in the afternoon, and dances once more on four legs in the evening. And it was going to be, uh, it, it is man, right, of our sorts. <laughs> For when he is young as a child, uh, he dances before he can walk. And when he is an, is a, is an adolescent or a young adult, he dances where no one can watch him or he doesn't dance at all. And then once he grows to a certain point, he dances holding a little baby or holding his partner, right? Uh, which is this, that there's this notion that there's sort of a progress of dance in life. For that, that, that different. And I think we were talking with some of the other overthinkers on the back channel about how um, this is contingent upon various sorts of items of identity. Right. So in your particular culture, dancing a lot might be something that's very you know, normal uh, in the sense that you might just do it. Right. People might just dance outside. You might go with your family to something where people dance. You might have traditional dances that you do. Um, but for our for me, at least the the traditional dances were kind of stripped out, you know, by the by the culture that genocided uh, culturally genocided us and again and imprinted their language upon us. Uh, and I'm not going to do the step dance thing because uh, so, I, only, I only dance with my arms. So we have the sort of like wed- what wedding dances, right, is the big thing. Um, and in the in the absence of wedding dances, it's either kind of clandestine hump dancing, which I'm no longer you know qualified to do being happily married. 
Uh, and that in of itself is, you know, neither, not, uh, I don't, the Surgeon General wouldn't advise that you do it either. There are some, uh, there's some married couples who get up on the thing at weddings and it's like they're reliving their, you know, they're reliving their like sweaty dorm party days, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's an unseemly, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll still dance closely, but it's, it's very different, right? It's very, it's very different. Um, but it just it's interesting, this idea that like is if dance is this sort of really fundamental sort of human thing, right? Similar to music, I mean, you know, not not necessarily fully distinct from music, then uh, then and and we have these sorts of occasions to do it. And the situation we're in with this virus has stripped away many of the major occasions for dancing. Uh, you know, does that give us an opportunity to reflect? I guess is is the question on what this has meant to us or what it means for us to dance or not dance. I mean, that, that's it. What you're what you're saying is really interesting. Like we and uh, let me go through a little uh, a bit of uh, probably totally apocryphal anthropology. Um, Great. So I don't know if you heard a crash. Make it up as you go along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the human race did. I don't know if you heard a crash <laughs> in the background. My basset hound Gus, who actually is a frequent dance partner of mine, uh, is knocking things on on the ground. But because Gus is a basset hound, he's like four and a half five feet from nose to tail uh he's a very he's like you put a real dog in a stretching machine and uh he so when he jumps up on me to you know lick my face he actually is as tall as i am you know like that is to say if i had a human dance partner that were gus's height it would not look out of place at all uh you know the heights would be well matched so i grab his little paws and sometimes we like shimmy forward and sometimes we shimmy back and uh that's what i do for dancing now when we talked about protest songs we you know talked about this perhaps um apocryphal or perhaps only partly true uh idea of the etiology of music having to do with organizing collective work and uh, having kind of rhythm having call and response and having like um some of the like the catchy aspects of music like rhyme and you know meter and stuff um having to do with you know getting people to do stuff to kind of organize collective action and when you think of of dance right like dance is sort of an abstracted uh version of that you know like the and you think of what we think of as maybe more traditional cultures a lot of dances are kind of representational having to do with um aspects of of daily life right like uh the the hunt or you know courtship or you know whatever and there are these kind of like stylized representations of that and i feel like that when when you talked about the the traditional dances of your people i was like the pavan the gavotte yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like no it's like no those are the those are the ones that uh eradicated the actual traditional dances uh of your people which might have had to do with uh you know i don't know agri- culture or with uh uh getting a you know getting a getting a partner right like getting laid or mm. something like that well, oh, don't, don't, don't forget don't forget warfare as in yeah. uh, crank that crank that soldier boy Crank exactly. <laughs> that soldier boy. It is. Um, uh, it is from the 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 the, the pikemen of the ancient Greeks, right? And so yes. I, I sort of wonder if the. I, I kind of wonder, and now I wish we I had done the slightest bit of research before just launching into this. <laughs> this uh, Don't we all Don't out of my all. out of my butt explanation of the the history of dance? I sort of wonder about dance as a medium for kind of individual expression for the the kind of like artistic, you know. Um, artistic uh ization of dance um 
like, I wonder what, what, kind of when that happened, when it can be traced to probably different times in different cultures. You know, it was probably you know, like it was probably a, a thing that was developed in a number of places around the world. Um differently and like i also i also think there is a great kind of slippage between um sort of vehicle and tenor between uh, like metaphorically like or between like representation and the thing being represented because to a certain extent you can go kind of do a dance that's about courtship that is this like elaborate like jane austen pride and prejudice kind of ballroom thing with like stepping forward and stepping back and like you know making a you know, v-shape with your arms or whatever like you know wrapping your arms around each other and like circling each other and at a certain point like that's a representation of courtship but at to a certain extent that is courtship you know it actually is the thing that it is uh that it is also a representation of and the metaphorical structure the kind of the highly structured nature of it makes it um a a sort of safe container for that uh for that sort of energy or for the energy of of warfare or for the energy of hunting or for the energy of you know uh whatever growing potatoes what you know whatever your culture does the 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 you know great the greatest hits of of where you come from um I had, I had probably com- appropriate then that most dancing that I witness these days really closely functionally resembles doing a K turn in a Trader Joe's parking lot. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean doing a doing a K turn <laughs> with a Trader Joe's grocery cart is even yes. like really really hard these days. You know, <laughs> especially when you have to maintain six feet of um, six feet of distance from <laughs> from each other. Uh, does this awaken anything for you? Because I could go on, but I probably shouldn't. Well, no, I mean, you don't even have to make the anthropological argument. We can just kind of observe that that seems to be what it does to an extent now, uh, that that there seems to be an expression in dancing. Since the dawn of time, (laughs) since the dawn of time, mankind has struggled with questions of uh, shaking that booty. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's interesting that you would even conjecture that that dance as self-expression would be something that has a sign of a generative canonical cultural origin, right? Because uh, it never would have occurred to me that that's the kind of thing that would, like writing, right, have somebody who did it first and then other people, like, picked it up from them. And, yeah, you can track a couple of people who came up with it perhaps at different times through the sort of grapevines and whatnot. But but by and large, you know, the, the shocking thing is how many people all end up learning it from the sort of same shared information that kind of travels long distances and across groups. Sure, and but it's I mean, you yeah. can sort of look a lot of the time and see that there is a before and after and you maybe well, yeah. can't identify the thing. But like, you know, there are many dances by the river, but there is only one river dance. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is interesting to think that because um, when you're thinking about so going back to the sort of the missing weddings, right? So missing dancing at weddings, I'm thinking about this anthropological function that you're discussing and certainly looking around a dance floor at a wedding, there is a lot of people defining to each other who they are, to people who they might not know or might not know well, but who they feel a need to create a sort of perception or an, or a hyper-awareness or hyper-vigilance around the risk of creating an impression to others of, of who you are, right? Uh, I mean, one interesting situation with all this and kind of uh, epistemi- epistemologically or semiotically, as it were, is the dance circle, 
Uh, right, which of course is the enemy of all good dance. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe that's an exaggeration. Are you pro or anti dance circle? It has its place. Right? Okay, I mean, you can't. They have to be there the whole time, right? Now, just to be clear, like, just define terms. You're talking about how um, the 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 mass of people that have opted into the dancing at a wedding. They form a circle, right? And there's this idea that it allows a it carves out a space, a safe space for someone to step in and take a solo. That's right. what you're talking about, right? The, yeah. the idea is that there's a traditional wedding dance, <laughs> and then it is, it is done on other occasions. It is kind of funny that it's a traditional wedding dance, but it is a traditional wedding dance where, uh, and and I've only seen it practiced in the United States, but I've never been in a wedding outside the United States or at a wedding outside the United States, so I don't know how to what extent this is practiced elsewhere. Uh, it is not similar to the hora, which is also dance in a circle, in which I've also participated in at weddings. Um, but uh, but yeah, the people form a circle, and then nobody dances in the middle of the circle except people then take turns going into the middle of the circle and and doing some sort of expressive show off and there's sort of tropes that they might engage in you might have two people go in there uh, that know each other and dance together. You might have two people end up in there who don't know each other and kind of compete against each other. You might have uh, the everybody loves the cop out of the small child going in there, which kind of gives everybody permission to feel silly. Uh, and or you might just have, you know, people go in there and try to do the most impressive thing that they can think of, uh, which, of course, like Matt talking about anthropology, comes with less zero familiarity and less preparation. Uh, no, I shouldn't bash Matt too much. The anthropological stuff is is totally fine. But 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 like going into the middle of a- my, edu- my education was completely devoid of the social sciences. <laughs> Can you tell? I don't, I don't think your conclusions are, are baseless. I just as like Matt, you've never been interested in this. Before. I took a lot like, of you, literature you came home with and a piece a- of pottery that you made. Like I stopped to color me mine on the way home from work, and it's like really Matt. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I colored the Venus of Willendorf mine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there you go. Right. That I, I have been, I'll, I'll say, like, because negotiating a lot of this has to do with, like, how well you know a lot of the people. And so, yeah. like, one dance circle uh, that I've been grateful for has been a, any dance circle at a wedding where I don't know anybody. You know, mm. and I'm there either solo or with a date, but don't know, but I'm not like part of the kind of main friend group that is that is there or, you know, at your um, uh, the, the weddings of everyone else on overthinking it where, uh, you know, I felt like our friend group was there to kind of provide a, a sort of alienating performance art on the dance floor to really take over from, uh, you know, from everyone else and, and uh, like to just demonstrate supremacy. And it's a, that's a dance of warfare, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's but, how you would see those. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that like, so in those either with no friend group or with a very tight friend group, it does, I mean, it does kind of create, um, an opportunity for for communal activity, but let me. I mean, I feel like I'm, I, I'm a less enthusiastic wedding dancer uh, than you two. I I'm gathering from this this conversation, and let me let me like tell you a 10 second story of what happens to me when I dance at weddings, and and you tell me how you d- deal with this problem yourself. Uh, here begins the story. I get bored. I guess it was a two second story. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that is to say, there isn't enough development of the material. I guess going from song to song is exciting, right? But sort of the, the, you can't really 
appreciate the music. It's also drawn from a, it tends to be drawn from a, you know, a certain, you know, kind of meta playlist and, you know, the things, the things are, are okay. Like, uh, I guess, I guess you can shout a little bit softer now, shout a little bit softer now, but like to, to a certain extent, I, the the aspects of great dramatic literature the aspects of kind of like development and surprise you know are missing uh from that really? so so what what well maybe i'm wrong or maybe i'm just a, a philistine so what what holds your attention for an hours long session of you know, of wedding dancing on that rented parquet floor that I'm completely missing where it's like, okay, like 30, 45 seconds of this and I'm, you know, I'm good and let's go check out the photo booth and see if they have like a Viking helmet or something. I mean, I'm tempted to say the answer is feelings, but uh, maybe that's a little bit harsh. No, no, no. Um, that is a good question. Why? Because, because you know, it's it's sort of an Applejacks thing, right? It's like I don't know why we do. It doesn't taste like apples. We just like it. But um, I would say, what occupies your attention during a long period of wedding dancing? Well, there is there is definitely a tension of surprise and familiarity that is in any wedding playlist. Uh, and I and I do appreciate wedding playlists that have songs in them that you expect to hear at weddings, but also expect only to hear at weddings because it creates this this, this sort of sublime dynamic of familiar surprise, right? Where it's like, oh, you make me want to shout. And, and when you're when you're doing the shout stuff, you're both thinking like, I haven't done this in a long time, or like this feels kind of novel and fun uh, and new. But also, I remember when somebody else did this with me, and I'm pleased by the familiarity of it. Um, there's also the release of the idea that you've been cooped up and dressed up and you've been sitting around and it's been kind of boring sometimes and stressful to be at a wedding and the dance represents a a release, uh, but also, you know, celebration, right? Um, so are you reveling, right? It, It was a good question. I think, uh, is there, is there a transformative sense in which participating in the endeavor, both kind of cognitively and I guess neurochemically stimulates you. And there goes me talking on the subject. I don't know that much about, but uh, as if the things were different, right. Um, Or at least wholly distinct, but yes, the idea that you're getting your adrenaline going, you're, you're getting your physical activity going. It's, it's in a wedding in particular, I think it's really fun to, to dance in that way with people that you might never see uh, and who don't expect anything of you other than just that they might be happy to see you. Um, which is kind of beautiful, right? Like you see a relative that you might not see in a long time, but like, it's not like you're necessarily going to be good friends, right? I mean, you've had ample opportunities at this point in your life to strike up a regular correspondence. And, you know, maybe that doesn't happen and that's okay, right? Because you don't have to be close friends with everybody in the world. But, you know, you might run into somebody that you've known for 10, 15, 20, 30, 35 years at these things since you were a small child even. And uh, at a family wedding in particular. Yeah, I guess I should make that distinction, right? Which is that dancing at a family wedding to me feels different from dancing at a friend wedding. And uh, I'll do both of them with with excitement, but I'll do them for different reasons. And dancing at the family wedding often feels like I'm passing along a particular tradition. I had a aunt Blake who, you know, rest her soul was just so full of joy 
and taught all the little children to dance, right? And I don't mean like gave us steps and stuff, but just taught us to take that pleasure and and revelry and fun and just drop your shame and drop your your embarrassment and just get on the dance floor and move your move yourself around and have and have fun with each other. And she was a real beacon for us. And you know, obviously, it's been a number of years since she's been gone. But I think anytime those of us who knew my aunt Blake get together for a wedding, we get out there and just make total fools of ourselves, which is not what we're doing. But I'm translating it into layman's language, right? As in, like, I will, I will dance like no one is looking because Aunt Blake is looking from somewhere, right? Is is the is the idea, right? Is the is the notion. Um, so yeah, so there's that. There's this this sort of transportative, transformative, but also yeah. If these people aren't my close friends, you know, then it doesn't really matter whether I embarrass myself in front of them. But at the same time, I'm going to keep seeing them forever. Uh, you know, as long as we keep having these these events, right? You know, forever, ever, forever, ever. Um, and uh, and as that sense, there's there's a sense of revisitation, um, and that's something worth celebrating too. I don't know, Mark. Are you is that is that help at all? I mean, when it's with friends, it's often just like you know, oh, I love this song, right? Um, or like uh, we're all here, and we don't always get to all be here. Um, but I don't know, Mark. What do you think? Yeah, uh, you're making me think about um, uh, this sort of totality of expression. Is mm-hmm. is is. Uh, brought to mind when you think about someone giving their body to the music and to the dance floor and then uh, putting that on display for everyone else, right? This idea that, well, you know, this the, the wedding is by inherently a maximalist sort of uh, uh, occasion, right? You don't really leave anything on the table. There's, you know, everybody's dressed up. The music is loud. Um, there is this, you know, this expression of love uh, and, and union, which is, um, of course, you know, appropriate and powerful and strong and important in all these things. Um, and so, yeah, so, so what make, this makes me think about is like this idea that, you know, if if you are fully participating in it, then this is the way to fully participate is that, you know, you're 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 swept up with the with the music. And then you, um, you know, beyond like your mere physical presence, beyond saying the words of congratulations and your face looking happy and things like that, then you flap your arms and you bob your body and, and, and things like that. Um, and. Uh, and I think about like barriers to this, like other, other members of the overthinking it uh, a discussion group um, brought up this notion of feeling like alienated or disconnected from their own bodies. Um, and that being like a, a tremendous obstacle to dance. And I, I put that idea out there, not as to say that, you know, you, Matt, rather or anyone else for that matter, or even myself for the times where like I do not like put myself out on the dance floor. I don't mean to say that, like, you know, you are alienated from your body and, and you are. Uh, not fully participating in the moment, but it was an interesting idea that I never like really quite quite had to put uh, had heard in so many words. So I wanted to see if that rung true for anybody. That sensation of um, having a disconnect from the body and that being some barrier to participation in like this particular uh, American ritual of mm-hmm. dancing at a wedding. Yeah, because one thing we talked about prior to this is. The you know, Cal, you know Calvinist and post-Calvinist idea that dancing is dirty and bad and sinful, uh, as exemplified by the scriptural work Footloose, uh, starring John John Lithgow. Uh, or the joke, the, I mean, the, the righteous preacher. <laughs> or the kind of the the age-old joke: Why are Baptists against sex? Because it might lead to dancing. Right. <laughs> Right, right. There's also a great movie um, uh, in which uh, it's about this baby being put in a corner. What is it called? <laughs> <laughs> um, but three, no, we, three we were, men, we were three joking men and about a baby. This. Look who's talking. Yes. 
That's right. Yes, it, I think it was called. Uh, I think it was called um, uh, Baby's Day Out. That's ah, right. It was called right. Baby's Day Out. It's involved. It involves uh, hitting uh, Joe Mantegna in the face with a piece of plywood, um, which is how most wedding dances go. No, it's um, it, it, this this idea that that. That like sinful versus non sinful dancing, or the idea that that by not dancing you're you're kind of uh, you're you're protecting yourself from impulses that would dr- draw you into a bad moral place, um, and and that there's shame associated with it, you know, rightfully so, right? Is this and that this myth is kind of in the background of the society. Uh, at least, at least I think the consensus was at least white society in the United States to some extent where a lot of people fear that if they go out there and dance, they're going to embarrass themselves and shame themselves. And it might not necessarily be a, like a religious shame, although I do think that, you know, I do remember and I was talking to my wife about this. I do vaguely remember when the concept of grinding was introduced into my parlance. Right. And it was a, it was a change. Right. The notion that dancing uh, was tantamount to not only included, but was tantamount to rubbing yourself off, uh, off, rubbing yourself up against another person. Right. For for sexual gratification purposes. And that this was like supplanting most, if not all other forms of dancing in popular culture, uh, which is uh, which was something that like happened. Right. And um, and it feels like there was a before and an after of that, even though, of course, people have used dancing for touching in a variety of ways. But um, but yeah, this this idea that the, is this are we Manichaean here, right? Is the separation of the mind and the body as a sensation a valuable thing because the body being part of the physical realm is evil, and the mind, you know, being dualistically suspended from it might seek to escape that evil to an extent by not dancing. Um, it's interesting, and 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 then is that? But then there's sort of an unhealthiness to that. Is the idea too? You're you're dissociated. You're separate from yourself. You you don't feel well. Uh, you don't. You know, it, it blocks access to certain dimensions of joy, uh, or even certain sorts of dimensions of wholeness or healing. Potentially, would be another way of looking at at dancing as as kind of um, uh, a problem and a solution, I suppose. Um, it's interesting. It's really interesting because I and I say this all contingently because, of course, I'm mystified by cultures in which dancing like like really getting into it is something that you would just do, you know, just whenever and not feel like you're kind of opening a can of worms. Right. Uh, that, that that either there needs to be a ritual, a very specific sort of ritual that needs to happen or you're like potentially entering into a sexual relationship that you need to be very, very careful about managing. Uh, because if you get out of control so fast, right? Because I've heard she is a maniac, a maniac on the floor, and she's dancing like she's never danced before, right? Think about that, a maniac, a maniac. Whoa, here she comes. Watch out, boy, she'll chew you up. Uh, that's that's different, but similar. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a maniac. Well, I want to, I want to. D- just a steel town girl on a Saturday night, Matt. That's that's all I'm talking about here. Like just just all the vocabulary of that. Sorry, sorry. You you go, you go. I, I want to. I just I want to take you guys to a different party with a different kind of dancing and uh, okay. just kind of expand on this uh, theme of kind of the kind of biblical implications of dancing. This was a party thrown uh, by a little guy called King Herod. And uh, Herod uh, feared John the Baptist, knowing that he was a just man and a holy man, and observed him. And when he heard him, uh, he did many things and heard him gladly. And, or sorry, and 
many people heard him and they listened to him. When a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. Uh, And when the daughter of King Herodias came in, who also had beef with John. That's not in the the King James Version that I'm reading from. I'm just annotating that. Herodias had uh, beef with John because John said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him. and and he swear, uh, or sorry, when the daughter of King Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And she went forth and said unto her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I uh, will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. So she seems to be both a maniac and a man eater. So that's so I'm talking about Salome, you know. Uh, I was really hoping that it was going to be like, and lo, doth did John the Baptist dance uh, then at Herod, and Herod, lo, did he dance back, and thus it was on, right? Uh, <laughs> that um, <laughs> he got served, you got served, son. Uh, but yeah, so so here we're conflating. I think in connection with a uh, broad interpretation of culture, uh, anti-dancitude with uh, misogyny and chauvinism. Well, right? Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. The idea that the, the dancing is the realm of the, the dancing is the realm of the kind of the seductive woman. Right. And that right, like, right. you know, watch out boys. She'll, she'll chew you up. Yeah. It impairs judgments, right? It leads to bad decisions and it's the women's fault. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is. I mean. <laughs> I mean, and, and and honestly, like, think of how sad it is for all the men who don't dance. You know, it's 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 kind. Of, it's really fun to dance. I mean, that's why I like dancing at weddings because it does give you permission, right? Um, but then again, why do you need permission? But it, it is, is. Yeah. I mean, there is. Well, sure, there is a thing. Like, and we. I don't think she'll mind being being name checked. Amanda, who couldn't join because of a technical problem, um, was talking about growing up in Brazil and sort of the right. phenomenon of carnival and the you know the whole month of of just dance party in the streets and like the idea that like there's music and sort of exuberant motion, exuberant movement, uh, dancing and stuff all, all up and down the, uh, all up and down the avenues, like all the time, you know, that, that is not something that I have observed, uh, in general in the American cities that I've lived in. I mean, I guess there are parades sometimes, but the idea of a citywide, you know, just a kind of a, a citywide festival dance party uh, is not something that really happens uh, in my experience of this culture. Yeah, it's um, it, it just it must be it must be so great, right? Like it just, uh, of course, that's what I say because I like dancing. No, no, it does. It sounds <laughs> great. That the... There's a country where people just do karaoke after work all the time. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Everyone should live that way, <laughs> right? Like, uh, uh, I well, mean, I, it's yeah. 
that you're talking about South Korea, right? And it's not great, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, go on. What's what's potentially wrong with doing karaoke after work all the time? Oh, I mean, just okay. So let's go on, on this tangent here. I mean, we'll see if it does or doesn't connect to the wedding stuff, right? Uh, there's this culture of maybe it's not necessarily karaoke, but it's like you know everybody works late hours. You have to stay as late as uh, as the boss. You can't you know kind of take off to spend time with your wife and your kids. Um, after work, everybody knocks off and then goes to the bar to drink a lot and then go carouse a karaoke because that's that's just like the way that they feel uh, camaraderie uh, in the workplace. And that, as you can imagine, has a lot of negative uh, side effects, including sexual harassment and uh, alienation of men uh, from uh, mostly men because the women are, are at home raising the children, uh, alienation of, of families from, from family members from each other. Um, right. Does that connect, does that connect what we're talking about with the. Yeah, well, the- sure. Like the idea that like, man, it must be so much better. Well, it has its own problems. <laughs> like I'm sure that you would run into various sorts of issues if you danced for a month, like, you know, sprained ankles and whatnot. But I mean, I wouldn't even begin to guess, but it does sort of feel like, I mean, it feels a bit risky. Uh, although one thing it does point out is the, uh, the salary man lifestyle must be going through a real, a real difficult time, I guess. Right. If people had to stay home. Oh yeah. 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 That's, that's, uh, I mean, I think more of Japan than South Korea, but I, I assume there's a lot of mutual interest or mutual influence there in terms of how the, the work of full-time employees kind of consumes their lives. Uh, I mean, not that ours doesn't, but it feels a little bit different. Certainly it's like working from home. There's certain things that you can't do that you didn't know you couldn't do. And one of them is go out for a drink after work. Not that I ever really did it all that much, but it's not an option anymore. Although, of course, there are people who do virtual happy hours with their coworkers. Oh, God, no more virtual happy hours. Please, I haven't gotten no any. More. I don't even know what it's like. You're not missing um, out, Pete. Yeah, okay. really But I mean, I, there are even our virtual DJ dance parties. I've heard that DJs have been going on Zoom and they've been Zooming. Uh, and everybody, everybody zooms too, and it just is a whole big <laughs> zooming thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, what, what have you heard about that? Like, how does that work? Uh, do you, just, like, you train your camera is trained upon yourself, and then you're what are, you, are you just like kind of grooving in your chair while you're sitting at your computer? Or are, you, are, are people standing and, and then gyrating their entire body so that everybody else can see it on Zoom? I mean, I don't, I don't even really know. I've never been. I think that there are streams that you can watch. I'm imagine. I, I would figure that there are probably versions where you share video of yourself and versions when you don't. Um, I mean, as as much as I know about Zoom karaoke, which we have, we have done, getting the sound to work is not trivial. Uh, you, you have to, you know, you have to make sure you share computer audio for one, which of course is what, the, what do you, the, <laughs> what, what? you check the box? Matt, what am I, what am I box. supposed to do? What? Check the box that says share computer audio. Well, make someone sure should have, oh, but there, there is a, there is a dance component to this actually. Right. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, if I was particularly moved by a particular karaoke performance in my, the upper half of my, I would do that thing that I just described before. So I'd be like, like literally sitting in my computer chair and then, uh, you know, the upper half of my body. Uh, would be doing uh, physical actions, which could be interpreted as dance. Yeah, we'd be reacting, reacting that? appreciatively. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially with with you, crew. I mean, I like I I flatter myself to think that we bring a real high caliber of karaoke to the table, uh, even you know in its in its Zoom form. I think it would actually be easier to do a DJ dance party because like you're just you know you're just broadcasting an audio output uh, rather than broadcasting you know something along the lines of um uh, uh like a youtube video or whatever with microphone input at the same time and like it would be important not to 
it would be important not to share your audio back to the dance party <laughs> so that everyone could listen to the thing and not you shouting, Mom! Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what you should do is you should share audio, but you have to set your microphone volume to minimum so that to talk to someone, you have to go like this. <laughs> hey, where are you from? I'm from across the river. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I haven't seen you since cousin Penelope got married. How's it going, Pete? It's great. It's good to see you. It's always fun to see these things. Um, (laughs) I mean, this is this is like I'm like my mind is like traveling places thinking of all this. There's a real hunger here. Um, I mean, I told you the story of the beginning of my wife and I's relationship with regards to all this stuff, right? Go on. Uh, yeah, sure. I think I'm, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast before. She told me when I told her at dinner that we were going to be talking about this topic. She she did give me permission, although I didn't necessarily um, feel like it was it was needed, I guess. But because it's not like a salacious story, but she did give me permission to to talk about this, which was that you know I used to go dancing a lot. You know, dancing I enjoy dancing a lot, and I used to go out into the clubs. You know, by the by the point where I you know started dating my wife, um, not like dating my wife, like really rekindling our relationship. I mean, when we first started seeing each other, you know, I would probably go about once a month if I wanted to, and if I didn't go once a month, I'd feel pretty bad. Like it's something that I wish that I could do just to to blow off steam again. Ex- personal expression it will you know and then there's the whole issue of being single and being just starved for any sort of physical or emotional intimacy that you're willing to go into any sort of trance state necessary in order to achieve it uh and and thus you would go to new wave night even if it was dark and creepy um but uh but but that um my wife doesn't dance you were taking you were taking the wrong drugs man you got (laughs) i mean i I always dance sober that's the other thing i very rarely drink uh, when I dance or do karaoke, um, well, you gotta, stay, you gotta stay sharp, you know, well, you know, you don't want to be tripping over yourself, but also it, it, it's transformative enough. Um, uh, I, I have the stress and the sleep deprivation to create the, uh, <laughs> supplement the pay to, to replace the peyote or whatever, right. but no, but, um, but my wife doesn't really dance and she doesn't really do karaoke. She doesn't like being the center of attention. Um, she's, she's very good at, you know, leading and, and talking to people and kind of being a kind of quarterback for folks, but she doesn't like that sort of expressive performative center of attention mentality. And so, um, when we were first started dating, it's like, Oh, that's not an interest that we share. And I'm thinking, man, she doesn't like dancing. Like, you know, should we even be dating? Right. Uh, you know, is that, that mean that we're not compatible and it's not going to work? And we did go to a new wave dance night together and it was terrible. I, I mean, I don't, it was just I think the, in an objective sense, it was not a fun dance night. Uh, I think it was an appropriate night to go to if you were an enthusiast of new wave music. Uh, and if you were not, then it was not for you. Right? Like it's like we're deliberately picking the ones that aren't fun. Right. <laughs> because we want to uh, we want to appeal to your connoisseurs in the room. You like your you like your music peaty and and tasting like moss <laughs> and dirt. Uh, <laughs> real, like we like we burned the record halfway before you you danced to it, uh, <laughs> but um, and then and then shoved it in an oak barrel for eighteen years uh, because no one's been listening to this song in that long. Hey oh, but uh, we had a terrible time and um, and afterwards we had a really tough conversation and I think she was crying and I was on the edge of tears because we you know we had just gone on a couple of dates and we really really liked each other but there was this fear that like if if we couldn't dance, then we couldn't make it work because dancing was so important to me and it was something that she didn't like at all. And so uh, what she did, of course, forever touched me, which was that, you know, the next time I talked to her, she had gotten us 
um, uh, tickets or passes for a dance class to take together, a salsa dance class Aww. at a local dance. I know I'm like tearing up now telling That's the, the story. The sweetest Aww. thing. And, and, oh. and she was willing, even though she was scared, she was willing to go to this salsa dance class with me. Um, I am tearing up telling the story, and uh, and and like she was scared, and I didn't tell her that I had taken like multiple lessons in salsa dancing before. And I was like, oh yeah, I haven't done this, you know, and I did a little bit here and there. Um, and we just had a wonderful time, and it was so great, and like. You know, and, and here's the thing, you know, we have a child, we're not going clubbing, but we are both dancing a lot, right? Like um, with our little boy. Um, but I mean, just to have somebody reach out and be willing to share that, you know. And, oh, well, and that's a, look, Whitney so says nice. she wants to dance with somebody, not anybody. Somebody you know? who loves me, right? Isn't that part of it? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what I don't get about both the transgressive dimension of it and also the sort of like, oh, yeah, it's totally normal social dimension of it that feel very foreign to me, which is, you know, I want to dance with somebody who loves me. Um, you know, don't you want to who don't you want to don't you want to dance? Um, uh, that's I mean, so, my, sweet. Yeah. so I was going to ask you guys, actually, like, have you done any kind of formal dance like, were you in cotillion or something as a kid? I was. Were you? I, did, well, I didn't do cotillion, but there was a, a, an older woman, uh, uh, Miss, Miss Thompson. Or was it Miss Thompson? Oh, man, it's been such a long time. Um, who, who, her and her mother uh, taught ballroom <laughs> dance and etiquette out of a church by a graveyard on the edge of town. And they would send literally engraved invitations to the parents of all the kids when they entered middle school to invite them to come take ballroom dancing class. And you would learn, you would learn the Foxtrot, the waltz, the cha-cha. She actually introduced the achy breaky at one point, uh, which was hilarious. <laughs> and you would also learn the proper order of how to introduce people. You would learn basics some basic table setting and table manner stuff, how to sit, how to stand, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this, this goes back to the days before people, of my ethnicity were allowed to live in this town, right? This is a very old school thing. Um, but I did. I, I loved it. I took it for two years and I took swing dancing and uh, and I danced in musical theater. Right. So I learned how to dance like a sailor sort of would if they were <laughs> a, a, a gay entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like with the no, do, 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 do. <laughs> like little, yeah, little pipe shuffle or whatever you want a corn cob pipe and a button nose. How a, how a sailor would dance if they like really worked on their double pirouette like very exactly. hard. I love being a sailor because of the hat. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the mentality when you learn how to dance in musical theater. Um, and again, I'm not trying to be gay panic about it, but come on, guys. Like that's that's the the level of sublimation in some of that old karaoke is is like uh, you know we all know. <laughs> what you're trying to express and that that's the but that i shouldn't dismiss it because it's like well that's part of what you're trying to express right is your sexuality and in situations where you might not be able to express your sexuality more openly dancing you know is a way to do it right um and of course even though you know i, I feel like a bit of an interloper sometimes dancing in a little sailor outfit that's not trying to dance to sailor outfit i danced in a turtleneck with a beret it was close um i, I was uh, i was in carousel and that's what i'm joking about right now um those of you who dance the sailor dance in carousel but know what a, i'm talking about but it was a, it was a real nice clam bake it was. We're really glad we came. Uh, uh, you know, that's a. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's actually, I think, uh, Lincoln Center maybe has put Carousel online, so you can watch. Um, like, like the Ulog, just 
horses. No. Yeah, exactly. You can work, no like, the <laughs> Rodgers and Hammerstein musical uh, Carousel, and uh, I think it's a, a production, good production with like Kelly O'Hara and Jesse Mueller. Like, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can. You can. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen a bit of it, and it's it's uh, it's good stuff. Uh, it's a it's a, a real nice clam pick. I mean, it's it is funny, kind of being the like social dance curmudgeon, and you know, or performing an exaggerated version of that character for this, uh, uh, you know, for the purposes of this podcast. Because like, you know, I've done a lot of dancing, right? Like, I own, I own. Like yeah, you went to st- graduate school and took classes on dancing. <laughs> I have like I have like uh, maybe you dance like on the professional level. <laughs> six or seven pairs of dance shoes in the closet. Yeah, yes. Right now. Like, <laughs> what are you even talking about, Matt? You're rope doping us this entire time. You're, you're just getting hustled. <laughs> this is like white men can't jump except your Barishnikov. What's going on? You're wearing that little hat with the with the thing flip backwards and the dirty T-shirt. Yeah, we know. Wanna, oh man, if you if you want to watch a movie if you want to watch barishnikov dance there's this movie called and it's not one i hear talked about a lot but it's called white knights and it has gregory hines and barishnikov in it and they're like russian prisoners you know and uh and Barishnikov had defected or something and like got caught again and you know he was this dancer and they danced together and it's uh pretty pretty amazing like i didn't uh, honestly i didn't get Barishnikov. like i didn't have a context for understanding why you know like it, he was kind of just like Pavarotti or something where like just that guy from sex in the city <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> no he, he was like he was a uh, he was a symbol more than a yeah. more than an artist you know um because i had no like context yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. You've never had a meal made by Wolfgang Puck, you know? I mean, right. I've had a frozen pizza branded by Wolfgang Puck, <laughs> but I've never had a meal made by Wolfgang Puck. But, like, I'm sure if I had one, uh, I, you know, I'd gain a whole appreciation. I got this, I got this appreciation for Barishnikov. Like, uh, yeah, and I, it is true that, like, in point of fact, I have danced so much that I, in fact, have injured myself at a, like, dance audition for, like, a chorus role in a musical. Uh, and, like, I, and I did the job. Also, like while simultaneously undergoing physical therapy for the uh, like really bad ankle sprain that I uh, that I did, and I was you know all like icing and like wearing braces and stuff like that, and and doing stuff like that. But it's the I you know I don't know it's the social it is the the sort of social yeah it's the ta- I don't know it's the tameness of the social interaction it's like a nice it's supposed to be like a nice domesticated thing i wish it were like i wish it were a little more west side story you know and we like you you went to a um wedding dance with a switchblade you know so that (laughs) (laughs) so that no incompetent would dare step on the floor you know and that like uh uh I, I guess me, the stakes. Did, I've, I'm utterly failing to. Well, did we and like ever, you guys did we are, ever, you guys are coming across as you know more good natured and and no. humane than, than I am. No, it's okay. We're dancing. Bounds. Express yourself. Have we done an episode on So You Think You Can Dance or any of those other shows? The America's only, Best Dance Crew. Really, really the oh. only. Well, I, hold on. <laughs> 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 the difference between So You Think You Can Dance. And, <laughs> 
Like, so you think oh, you can okay. dance to me is sui generis in that, like, it is the only reality show that I can get super enthusiastic about. Like, I loved that show. I thought the kids that they got on that show were like heroic, were amazing. Um, and like, you don't, you know, you see them and they seem like nice and sociable and you don't understand that like when every other kid was doing something fun, right? Like that kid was, you know, in the studio, like working a triple pirouette or something like that. Like that kid was like the, the level of, of dedication of athleticism of like, you know, uh, artistry. I loved, like I, I stand forever, um, for, so you think you can dance and it's my, still on TV, right? Is it? I don't care I, I'm about looking it. At it says it has an upcoming season, season 17. That's a lot of seasons. Yeah. <laughs> 17 seasons is a lot to watch, I fa- but no, know, I love I, that show. I found yeah. that it sort of fell off in quality, like that there was kind of a heyday to it. And then like, it got almost more professionalized where you got the sense that these people like had agents and were kind of doing this as like a career development move. And I was not, it, it, got less exciting for me i guess at 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 that point it was sort of like you know i don't know which multinational corporation is gonna yeah it really like uh you know destroyed the amateur spirit of the olympics you know right Uh, is it like uh there's an saturday night live sketch about this which is like the show is called wait very good (laughs) (laughs) she's like the singing reality show where nobody looks like they can sing but they're awesome at it what (laughs) like uh in this case, yeah, it's like, oh, they're all professional dancers. What's the what's the the point of the reality show dimension of it anymore? Where's the risk, right? That they're not going to be starring yeah. Susan Boyle and that chubby English tenor kid with the long, you know, curly hair that fell down Bass's shoulders, but apparently was like a really good operatic tenor, uh, and you know, other people. Fair enough. I wonder when the next season of So You Think You Can Dance is dance, going to dance, 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 dance. But but I think we talked about how like uh, watching people dance is, is different than dancing yourself in terms of like people can be enthusiastic about watching other people dance without necessarily themselves being enthusiastic about dancing. So what helps? And also it, how interesting it is that when you can go into a dance situation and feel a release from expectation and a certain freedom, but so much of performative dance is competitive. And, uh, and I don't just mean reality TV shows. You can extend this even to, you know, the kinds of situations where somebody would dance for you and demand money. Right. And, and like you would be expected to give them money in accordance with their dancing. Um, and, uh, which is, you know, I don't think we're ready to talk about that kind of thing on overthinking it right now and probably won't be until our children have left the nest. <laughs> if then right um but uh, but just the idea that like that that the notion of the dancer's body as like this this sort of tool that's being you know it remind i mean the only the, the most apt description that comes to mind is just jungle land and the way that springsteen talks about you know the kids with the guitars right like switchblades as you mentioned like west side story hustling for the record machine hustling against each other to see who the best is or who's the person who can wow you uh and um and and how that feels very for i mean it feels both foreign and familiar to the notion of what dance feels like because when you're doing it it does sometimes feel like nobody can beat you but nobody's competing with you, really. I mean, it's a cooperative at the very worst. But it's, <laughs> I mean, actually, it's a, that that is interesting, right? Because there, there aren't a lot of sort of 
there aren't a lot of situations, maybe in the gym or something, where we kind of encounter the embodiedness of people, you know, mm. in like in such a direct way. Like one of the one of the the weird things about going to acting school, uh, being a veteran, I should say, of of acting school, is that you like you confront people's bodies a lot and you spend a lot of time with your i mean you know at graduate acting school is basically being locked uh in a room with the same you know 12 to 16 people 16 hours a day six days a week uh except when it's seven days a week and the um you know you get like you get pretty close, like whether, whether you will or no, you know, you, you get pretty close and you also, in the course of the, you know, however many years you spend together, you enact every sort of like physical relationship with one another in various combinations from that there is from like parent and child to lover to murderer, you know, that. So it's a lot like working at a restaurant. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. (laughs) You you mean play parts. You don't, mean actually feel these levels of intimacy in the context of your extracurricular activities you mean like you do scenes with people or build characters with people where you've experienced that but it's you get so enmeshed sure, in it or it Im- feels real yeah, yeah. imaginatively you experience yeah. it imaginatively and in a in a kind of you know uh, realm of of play or artistic expression um uh, not not as in you know the restaurant business where rampant sexual harassment is this <laughs> sad reality that many workers face on a a day-to-day basis um but no like and it is like i it is interesting that like in sort of social dance situations like and if you're you know and if you're sort of a a kind of inheritor of an uptight puritanical culture you you know maybe these are the only situations where you do a lot of dancing but like you know the idea that the idea that you could sort of touch someone you know in in any kind of extended way, like if you're next to each other in the dance circle and are, you know, shimmying and like your shoulders touch or something for more than half a second, like there's not really another situation where in, in, in our lives anywhere, where you would have that, you know, um, where you would have that relationship with someone that isn't like either your like intimate partner or a member of your family or something like, you know, a member of your immediate family who you like hug and kiss and put to bed or something like that. Like that's not, that's not part of the experience. It's not part of the kind of the normal repertoire of, of social interactions. Right. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm led to, I'm led to think of, did you guys see Mad Hot Ballroom back in the day? It was a documentary about a uh, New York public school program for something like fifth graders or something like that, where they taught them ballroom dance and uh, and the thi- and they you know had this whole thing of like asking someone to dance. It's a, a little old fashioned and sexist, but like and then how you move together, how you could you know touch each other, how you like collaborate to kind of create dance together, create partner dances, ballroom dances together, and like the. Um, one of the teachers I remember in the interview was like so struck, was so emotional about this because it's like, oh, they're not little kids. They're little ladies and gentlemen uh, doing, you know, doing this kind of ritualized, ritualized interaction. And the thing that struck me about it at the time was that it gave them a repertoire of kind of interactive modes that had been cut off 
uh, from them that they that they had not had before, and that not necessarily cut off, but that had not been available to them before. And like it, it does kind of expand the repertoire of of interactive modes to be able to you know not just like shake and shimmy but also like to touch people to like encircle people you know to like move around Mm -hmm. people like to make eye contact for more than half a second to like do a lot of stuff like that there is a kind of like relational benefit to a kind of relational strengthening that happens with exploring uh you know and and kind of moving through these these different modes so i guess i guess i'll join you on the dance floor guys <laughs> okay I mean, you talked you heard, me talked me into you heard it. what the lady was saying right she was very clear when she said everybody dance now <laughs> everybody dance now it is yeah it is a uh, definitely a um thing uh you know especially you know the the uh especially in a relationship you know you you don't go for second best baby you, be, you put your love to the test you you know you know you gotta make him express how he feels only then you know your love is real mm-hmm. express yourself mm-hmm. well uh guys um i uh i've been in love and lost my senses spinning through the town Sooner or later, the fever ends, and I wind up feeling down. I need someone who will take a chance on a love that burns hot enough to last. So when the night falls, my lonely heart calls. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. Thanks very much for listening to this podcast. Thanks, Pete and Mark, for uh, for uh, joining in this discussion, this pas de trois of, uh, of a podcast together. Uh, hey, let us know in the comments about what you think of uh, what you think of in dance. So, like, couple questions, couple discussion questions to get you started. What are the songs that you like to dance to? Where do you experience dance? You know, as a person living your life is it just at weddings is it in other are you a part of a culture that has a different uh kind of set of norms around dancing are there other occasions for dancing that are normal for you um like what you know how do you enjoy what is your history with dancing were you taught formerly or did you just sort of pick it up by a a beloved sainted aunt who you know taught you and your cohort of cousins how to uh how to move it on the floor like what uh, what are some other questions we could ask? Because I feel like this could be a good discussion together. Do you miss dance? Are you dance deprived yeah. now? Good question. Because yeah, definitely. And 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 how does it make you feel? And uh, have you sure. found some some venue for dance now while we're in quarantine ish? That's right. Cool. Well, uh, thanks uh, very much again for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. I wanted to sing this one last song. I, I've been dancing with my son, my almost three-month-old son, to this one song and he just he just loves it and uh, i sing it to him sometimes and it goes um 
Just imagine a little baby bouncing around. Whoosh. It's wind. You know what kind of wind it is? You guys know what kind of wind that is blowing through. It's a dance storm. Sand storm. 